The bite has been taken out of death. God has conquered death. I would never want to face death alone. I would never want to face death without Christ. Death is the enemy. And the existence of death is the proof that man is linked to Adam. And that something has gone woefully wrong in this world. We look out in this world and we see death and we see decay. That indicates to us that there is something wrong, that things are not perfect. Listening to Cross Connection with Pastor Jay Fulton of Cross Connection, North Jersey. Join us as Pastor Jay teaches through the book of Romans. It was never God's intention for death to be a part of his creation. Adam's sin brought death into the world, but God made a way. Our debt of sin was paid at the cross of Calvary. And it's through His blood we have forgiveness and salvation. Pastor Jay reminds us that the Lord loves us so much, and He has our best interest in mind. We need to give everything to Him because He gave all for us. Don't hold on to the temporary riches of this world. Accept His gift of redemption today. Now, here's Pastor Jay with part two of his message entitled, The Greatness of God's Love. When God had come to the nation, and he looked at the nation, and the nation under the reign of Jeroboam, they had moved into this era of prosperity, and with that prosperity, they began to forsake the Lord. They began to leave the Lord, and they began to find themselves entangled in all kinds of sin and idolatry. And God comes to the prophet Hosea and tells Hosea to take for himself a prostitute as a wife. So Hosea did this, and God was going to demonstrate to Hosea so that he could speak to the nation that the unfaithfulness of his wife and the hurt and the pain that it would cause him is the same thing that the Lord feels for the nation. That after having redeemed the nation, having after delivered the nation, having provided for the nation, after having been faithful to the nation, the nation turned its back on him. And so this is what happened. But God, during that, had also promised Hosea that he would restore the nation and that he would have mercy on them. Utterly rebellious before God utterly rebellious, and yet he speaks of his mercy. He speaks of his love and his faithfulness. And so it's true that the proof of love is always in the gift. When a couple gets married, they are gifting themselves to one another. The ultimate expression of love is to give of one's life. John 3.16, we know that verse. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Imagine that. Imagine that kind of love. For those of us who are parents, imagine giving your only son for those who despise you, for those who rebel against you, for those who hate you. And Jesus said, I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That was his purpose and that was his mission, that he would come and he would call sinners to repentance, that he wanted to restore the ministry of reconciliation, bringing man back in union with God. 
Paul writes to Timothy, he says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He didn't come to make life better in that sense. It wasn't his primary goal was to make a bad life good, but his primary goal was to make a dead person become alive. And with that expression of love and with that giving of his life, we're going to see through the scriptures that he's going to give us so much more. God gives us of his Holy Spirit. In fact, the Bible describes the Holy Spirit as the helper. Who is the Holy Spirit helping? Well, he's helping us. He's helping us in this life. The Lord knows the challenges and the difficulties that we have in this life. So he gives us the Holy Spirit, the helper, to help us to be able to live the life that God has intended for us. And so... You know, I imagine a scene when we get to heaven and we think back over our lives and we think of the road and the course that God has given to us. And many of us, we've gotten off the course and we've stepped away and we've detoured from what God has wanted us to do. And maybe we've wallowed in the mud and we've wallowed in sin. And yet the Lord brings us back and he sets us on this path, on this course that he has for our life. And we go on again and we hit road bumps and we want to detour. We want to get off this road and this course that the Lord has for us. In fact, some of us try to turn back and the Lord will say no. And he puts us back on this road and on this course. And he sends his angels. He gives us of the Holy Spirit. He sends other believers to help us along this way. And then when we stand before him, we hear the words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And looking back at that scenario, we can say there was nothing faithful about me, but that God, you were faithful. But he attributes that faithfulness to us because of our trust in Christ. That's the kind of love that God has. That's the kind of love that he gives to his people. It's unconditional. And I would submit to you that If you have been hurt by someone that you love, know this, that God desires to mend a broken heart. God desires to repair the wounds. Because in the same way that we don't grieve as the world grieves as believers, also the world doesn't love the way our God loves. And that in him and in his presence is the fullness of joy and he can restore that in our lives. He can restore that because of his love for us. And so we see that God's love is not like the world's love. But then beginning in verse 9, he says, Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. He says, much more. If God is willing to reconcile us to his son and reconcile us to himself, how much more would all the other blessings flow after that? if being justified by his blood, that we're going to be saved from the wrath through him. And understand this, that salvation is a process. Notice the words there. He says, we shall be saved from wrath through him. There is a day, there is a coming judgment. And that coming judgment, God has saved us from it. And we will be saved from it. We are justified, but the ultimate fulfillment of that salvation is yet in the future. And so the question is, how can someone know it's enduring? Lord, how do I know you're going to get me to the finish line? How can I be sure? I've been let down by so many other people. How do I know, Lord? Can I put my trust in you? Can I put my stock in you? How do we know it will endure? Not just for our present sins, but for the sins that I commit down the road. And the rationale or the argument that Paul gives is this. He says, when we were enemies... Think about this. When we were enemies with God, he reconciled us. 
He reconciled us. And that word reconciled means, it's the Greek word katalasso, which simply means the exchanging of a hostile relationship for a peaceful one. God exchanged the, the relationship of wrath and enmity for one of peace, which necessitates the removal of sin, bringing us together. So therefore, if God was willing to do that, how much more through his son will he keep us to complete that work that he's begun in us? And the Bible speaks of that promise, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. And so we can rest in that, that we don't have to try to complete the work, but that the work in him is complete. And I know that our tendency is to go back to that place of works. Because if you're anything like me, as a young believer, I struggled with my salvation. In fact, I told myself I had to get saved two and three and four times. But through God's grace, there's nothing we can do to earn it or merit it. And God freely gives it as we put our trust in his son. And so because of this fact, we can joy in Christ. And he says this in verse 10, For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by this life. Verse 11, And not only so, but we also joy, or your Bibles might say rejoice, in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement or the reconciliation. Because of the fact of God's enduring love, we can joy or we can rejoice. In fact, another word that can be used to translate this is that we can boast in God. We can take our confidence in God through Jesus Christ. And our joy is always available to us, thinking back and meditating on the fact that when we breathe our last breath, that we need not go to hell. Our joy is not in other things. Because what this life means and what we've come to realize as we grow in the Lord and as we mature in the Lord, our hearts long for heaven. Our hearts begin to long for him and we begin to know that nothing short of God will satisfy us. And nothing short of our lives will satisfy God. And so we can have confidence in our salvation. We can receive it with faith. You know, it's interesting. One of God's provision as he gives us of his Holy Spirit to grow us and mature us is the fact that a little faith will bring a soul into heaven. A little faith will bring a soul into heaven, but a strong faith will bring heaven into the soul. It will bring that life to bear on that individual. I think of Psalm 32. It says, be glad in the Lord and rejoice ye righteous and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. This life we have in Christ where we can rejoice and we can joy due to the fact that God's love is enduring, that it never runs out, that it's always there. Or Psalm 33, verse one, it says, rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. It's the right thing to do. It's what we do. It's an outpouring of our heart to him. And so God's love is enduring. His love never fails. His love never runs out. And we can rest and be assured of that because he's the author and the finisher of our faith, the scriptures tell us. One of the other things we want to note here in verse 12 as we move on in the text he says, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, 
for that all have sinned. And one of the things we want to note here in this next section is that God's love is greater than our sin. That God's love is greater than our sin. We've seen that God's love is greater than the world's, that his love is enduring, but that his love now is also greater than our sin. And Paul begins to deal with the issue of sin. Prior to this, he was dealing with our sins, plural, the sins that we commit. But there is the issue of sin affecting this world, and Paul begins to deal with that original sin. He's going to begin to show that the remedy here is Christ. And so he says, well, until the law, in verse 13, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. And nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come, but not as the offense, so as also the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, and so is the gift. For the judgment was by one condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. Once we were delivered from the penalty of sin, that is the judgment and the wrath that is to come, there's still the question of the old nature that issue of sin in our lives. And Paul is writing here and he's demonstrating how we are delivered from the issue of sin as well as from our individual sins. That God has given us a new nature. And in giving us a new nature, it's the promise of the hope in the future that is to come. And so how does he do this? He begins by comparing two men. He compares Adam and Christ. Two men, two acts, and two different results. The only two men ever born sinless, and yet the one we see gave himself to sin. And so what Paul is writing to us in verse 14, he says that sin and death are ours in Adam. And that's what he says. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. We inherited this sin nature. And so death reigned. And death reigns in the life of those who don't know the Lord. I think of some of my family members who I've spoken to, and and friends for that matter too, who don't know the Lord. And they fear death. But for the believer, oh, death, where is your sting? The bite has been taken out of death. God has conquered death. I would never want to face death alone. I would never want to face death without Christ. Death is the enemy. And the existence of death is the proof that man is linked to Adam. And that something has gone woefully wrong in this world. We look out in this world and we see death and we see decay. That indicates to us that there is something wrong, that things are not perfect. So God has conquered this death. And so sin and death, that's what we inherited from Adam. We've inherited this this life. But yet, in contrast, forgiveness and salvation are ours in Jesus. That he's given us so much more. Whenever God is asking you to give something to him, to relieve yourself of something, to give 
up something for his sake. Know that what he gives you in return will far outweigh whatever you give up. It will always far outweigh. And even with the issue of sin, the calamity and the danger and the judgment that we have in sin, it's dwarfed by the riches of his grace. And Ephesians tells us that in the ages to come, he's going to be showing us the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And the idea is this, that imagine two newlyweds on a honeymoon, full of love, full of bliss. Imagine that never ending. And it will be like that, so to speak, with us in heaven. That the excitement and the joy and the zeal, it will go on, never ending, never waning. So whatever we lost in Adam, we more than gained in Christ. The life that we had in Adam is by far outweighed the life that Christ has given us. When Jesus speaks in John chapter 10, he says, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. But in contrast, the devil, the enemy, who roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may destroy, he's come that he may kill, steal, and destroy. So we have more than gained what we've lost in Adam by placing our trust in Christ. And we have this justification and this coming glory where we can place our hope in the Lord. And Paul's going to reiterate this fact as we pick up and read in verse 16. And it says, And not as it was by one that sinned, and so is the gift, for the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which received abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, and even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. And so Christ is referred to as the second Adam, correcting the penalty of sin that the first Adam brought into this world. And so if our relationship with Adam could bring us to this place of sin, then our relationship with Christ much more can bring us to this place of justification and a place of being righteous before God. And he goes on to say in verse 19, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, and that's true. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. By Christ's obedience, the opportunity for us to be made righteous is available to all. Verse 20, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Where sin abounded, grace abounded so much more that grace was able to not only deal with the issue of sin, but it was to give us a life that is far beyond what we've been redeemed. It would have been sufficient for God if he were to perhaps absolve us of the penalty of sin. And maybe let us be. And then there's no judgment, but there's no afterlife. But no, he takes it a step further. Is that he gives us an eternal inheritance. He gives us this new life. And we would have been okay with that. We're not being judged. But he does so much more. Not only are we not going to be judged, but he gives us this life that's full of joy, that's full of blessing, that's full of wonder as we look to him, full of mercy. He gives us of his Holy Spirit to help us to live this life. 
And then when we step into eternity, we, we get all of eternity with him. Completely conformed into his image. To worship him without the limitations of this flesh. To worship him without the limitations of our mind, without the limitations of our feeling and our emotion, but to be completely reunited, rejoined with God. So where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. And what the Lord wants us to know is this, that there is no sin that is too big for God's grace. And that should be a source of encouragement for us and for our family members for those that we thought the Lord could never reach. No sin is too big for God's grace. And he's waiting for us. And God has more grace than we could ever imagine. And oftentimes we get to that place and we think that somebody is unreachable, that they're too dark, that they are too set in their ways, is because we underestimate his grace and our tendency to revert to works but never underestimate God's grace. I mean, there are people that are so unlikely that are being saved, that are going from being derelicts of society to being pastors. And in your life. And so in our disbelief of God's ability to save the most unlikely of people, he does exactly that that he's able to save even to the uttermost. He's able to do that. And so, where sin abounded, grace did abound much more. And that, in verse 21, as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life. Eternal life by Jesus Christ. It's the best blessing that we could ever have because it's with him. It's gonna last forever. It's never going to end. And if there's nothing else that we could hang our hats on or our joy on or, you know, as we look at this world and see how dark it is, we can always come back to this passage of Scripture and others like it where we know that God's love for us, that there's a coming glory, that it's sure, that it's steadfast. He will not fail us. He will not sell us short. That it's going to come and it's going to happen. And we can walk in that freedom and we can walk lifted, Without the weight of work, a workspace righteousness, without that on our shoulder, living freely for him. And what that produces in the heart of the believer is just more and more acts of love. You know, the scripture says that we love him because he first loved us. When two people love each other, they give of themselves to each other. And so God has given us of himself, and in our response is that we give ourselves unto him. And as that happens, he gives more of himself to us and we give more of our life to him. And as that process continues, we're being conformed into his image and he's given us more of the Holy Spirit. And it's a great, great thing when we see that happening. And so God's love, this is what it means in our lives. This is what it means in the life of the believer. It's not some ethereal word. It's not some theoretical term that God loves you. I love God, I, I love the New York Giants, and, and, and I love a triple cheeseburger. You know, it's not like that. It's not casual. But God's love is real. It's meaningful. And he doesn't love like the world loves. But he loves in a, in a way that will blow our minds. 
Thanks so much for joining us for today's edition of Cross Connection Radio with Pastor Jay Fulton. Pastor Jay is teaching verse by verse through the book of Romans. Radio is a wonderful way for us to connect people with the cross of Jesus Christ. And that truly is the vision for Cross Connection Radio, to connect you to Jesus. Today's message was produced from a worship service at Cross Connection North Jersey. We encourage you to come and join us for worship. The family at Cross Connection North Jersey meets every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. for worship. And for those of you who enjoy Bible study, come out and join us every Thursday at 7.30 p.m. To learn more, we encourage you to log on to crossconnectionradio.com and then click on Church. There you'll find the service times, our location, and driving directions to the church. Again, that's all available at crossconnectionradio.com. You can also email us with any comments or questions you might have. The email address is info at crossconnectionradio.com. That's info at crossconnectionradio.com. Cross Connection Radio is the teaching ministry of Jay Fulton, Senior Pastor of Cross Connection North Jersey. We hope you have been blessed by today's teaching. Please join us next time for another study through the Book of Romans, right here on Cross Connection Radio.